I was born again in 1975. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I gasped and said, sins? I thought they were mistakes. With that, I was born again. A few nights after I was born again, I was asleep in the night. I was transported into heaven. I was with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. I didn't see any images. It was strictly an experience in spirit. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit, witnessing. I was made one with the Word of God at that time. A few nights after that, the exact same thing happened to me a second time. I was merged into the body of Jesus and made one with the Spirit of God. I was on fire for the Bible and things of God after this happened to me. At that time, I owned a business in Dallas, a small business, American Indian Arts. I had three women who worked for me. I didn't have to go into the business except to make appraisals, and I had to go buy merchandise out in New Mexico. So I had plenty of time to just stay home and read the Bible all day, and that's what I did. I went to church. I was in a prayer group, and I read the Bible. God began teaching me. He first took me to the Old Testament to teach me about prophets. I'm sure we covered every scripture about prophets in the Old Testament. By that time, I was attending a church in Farmer's Branch, Texas, just north of Dallas, a church called Word of Faith. Robert Tilton was the pastor. When I started at that church, we only had about 200 people. We met in an old warehouse. Our Sunday school class met across the road at a Motel Ramada Inn. There was one very important thing the teacher at the Sunday school class did. He always said, If anyone has a word from the Lord, please feel free to speak that word. That Sunday school teacher opened up the class for the Holy Spirit to speak through whom he willed. God began giving me the spiritual gift, word of knowledge. That is listed in 1 Corinthians 12. It is a supernatural gift where you just know someone has this problem, this kind of problem, and you gather the courage to say, does anyone have a stomach problem? And someone jumps up and says, I do. And then I assume he's healed after that by people praying for him. 
but that's a word of knowledge. It is a it's information that you have no way of knowing. God began giving me those in in the prayer group I attended and also in that Sunday school class. God never gave me a word of knowledge during the 11 o'clock service because the pastor never made an opening for a spiritual gift to be presented at the 11 o'clock service. I believe if the pastor had said, does anyone have a word from the Lord, God would have given me one of those spiritual gifts at that time, or certainly would have given it to someone in the congregation, but the pastor made no space for the spiritual gifts to function at the 11 o'clock service. But the Bible class teacher always made way for the gifts to service. We recognize the apple tree by the apples that come on the tree. Without the apples, we it would just be a tree. By those spiritual gifts that were given me when I attended the prayer group and the Sunday school class, the people kept saying to me, the hand of God is on you. You've got a call of God on your life. I never did tell any of them that I had been taken into heaven twice. It just didn't occur to me to tell them. But when I began to present the spiritual gifts, they saw it. One day from the pulpit, our pastor, Robert Tilton, began to speak about me. And he said, Joan is not a teacher. She is a prophetess. God had to have revealed that to Bob because I certainly didn't tell anyone at that church. At first, I didn't even know. The tree is known by its fruits. If you produce these fruits of a prophet, guess what? You're a prophet. One day I'm riding down the street and the Holy Spirit began speaking to me and said, I have set you, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I screamed, Apostle, what's that? Remembering that I was taken into heaven twice, merged in the body of Jesus twice, I believe that was the call of God on my life for two ministry offices, the apostle, uh, apostle and prophet office. Paul was an apostle teacher. These offices are told to us in Ephesians chapter 4. The ministries of the New Testament church, as set by Jesus after he arose, are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4. There are no such things set in the New Testament church in the Bible 
There are no such things as priests. That's an Old Testament ministry, not a New Testament ministry. And of course, we have no such thing as Pope, Archbishop, Cardinal. We don't have any of those in the Bible, in the New Testament Bible, or anywhere in the Bible. There's no such thing as Pope anywhere in the Bible. That's made up by humans. It is not of God. The ministries of God are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Now, humans have also made up a ministry called minister of music. That is not in the Bible. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are the ministries in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll read that. Start at verse 8. When he, Jesus, ascended up on high, he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So God has said to me, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I didn't tell anybody that this was told to me at that time. I went to our Bible teacher and asked him, who are the apostles at our church? For that church professed to believe there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church today. So I asked him, who are the apostles at our church? And he said, I don't know. Well, then I asked him, what do apostles do? And he said, I don't know. So I asked God, and God showed me. Basically, apostles deal with doctrine. In the New Testament church today, apostles are always trying to uproot false doctrines from the churches and reestablish the doctrines of Christ as set forth in the Holy Bible. You've heard me speak many times about divorce, remarriage, homosexuals, lesbians, what the Bible says on each of these subjects. That's what apostles do. Prophets are very clear because they are used by God to bring correction to the church. They're always sent to the church to bring correction to the church. And also, they prepare us for the return of Jesus Christ by getting our doctrines corrected. For unless you are going by Scripture, you're, going to, you're not going to be ready for the return of Jesus. And the return of Jesus is coming 
I think soon. I can't tell you it would be this week, this month, this year, this decade, but the way we know Jesus is returning is by the increase of wickedness. Don't we see an increase in wickedness in the world? I certainly do. When I turn on the television, I'm often shocked at the commercials they put out there, the evil of the commercials. I'm shocked that they have to show women so lewdly dressed. And in the background, sometimes they show a commode, which has no reason to be there, other than it's just vile what is shown us today on television. That shows the increase of the wickedness in the world. For if the world didn't want to see that kind of thing, the sponsors would not show it. They show it because that's what the people want to see. They cater to the society of the time when they do commercials. For they're trying to sell products. They're not going to show you something that they think would offend you. In the 1940s, you would have never, ever seen such a thing. In the 50s, when we had television, you wouldn't have ever seen the commercials that we see today. They would not have been popular. But society itself has become so much worse in the decades of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, now 2020, we can see the wickedness. In the churches, the wickedness has increased also. When do you ever hear at church what Jesus said, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery? When do you ever hear this? And why aren't you hearing it? I believe preachers stopped preaching this because it wouldn't be popular. I even told a man once, he was a former Baptist teacher, uh, preacher, Baptist pastor, Indiana Street Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. I told him one time when he was saying they just didn't have enough room to seat all the people who were trying to come to church. I said to this man, if you would start speaking that which Jesus said, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, about half of your congregation would leave you. You would not have any trouble seating the people who remained. And that's the truth. The churches get big because they quit preaching about sin and they start preaching God loves you, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay, treat everybody the same, accept everybody, accept everything, God loves you. That's not true. That's just not true. The prophets today who are trying to get you ready for the return of Jesus will be talking about sin in the churches, trying to turn you away from the churches where they permit sin to flourish.
That's what a prophet will do. So I, by 1980, have been put on radio from coast to coast by an angel of the Lord who spoke to me in the night and said three words to me while I was sleeping. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. It was a voice so loud like a trumpet was blowing in my ear. I jumped out of bed and wrote KWJS on a notepad beside my bed. It was very obvious to me those were call letters from either radio or television. I looked it up immediately and found it to be a radio station. So I said to God, Are you showing me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. A very gentle impression came into my mind immediately, and that was the Holy Spirit speaking. And here's what I heard. Call the radio station manager. That morning I did that very thing. I called radio station KWJS and asked to speak to the manager. He came on the phone immediately. I said, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? The station manager said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long. And if you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract. After the phone call, I got my tape recorder and recorded exhortation that was 29 and a half minutes long. I took it to the post office and mailed it that same morning. Within five days, I was broadcasting on KWJS. Within a year, I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle, just exactly like the angel of the Lord said to me, that night on January 10th, 1980. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. So I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle, starting with KWJS, and I was on in many major cities between the East Coast and West Coast of the United States. At that time, a woman came to me and said, I'm a fan and we became friends. She was an executive at Braniff International Airlines in Dallas. She became my coordinator. She worked out all the travel plans and arrangements for my trips to the East Coast, where I took an East Coast tour and went to all the cities where I was on radio. And I rented rooms at hotels or in convention centers as I got bigger and spoke to the radio audience and to the central part of the United States and a tour to the West Coast in the United States. And Barbara worked out all of my travel arrangements. At that time, she asked me a very shocking question. She said, What do we call you? Reverend? I was shocked and horrified. I said, oh no, don't call me Reverend. Call me Joan. 
I've never, I had never thought through the subject of calling anyone reverend until then. What did they call Paul? They called him Paul. He identified himself in his epistles as an apostle so they would know what his work was likely to be. An apostle's work is very different from the work of an evangelist. Philip was an evangelist in the Bible. Silas was a prophet. Agabus was a prophet in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Paul identified himself as an apostle and a teacher. Those are two different works. When I hear the word apostle, I know that's a person who's likely to establish church doctrine. An an apostle today would take scripture and compare scripture with scripture on issues pertaining to this life so that you would be able by the scriptures to see what God wants you to do. A prophet is probably going to bring a correction. One time I was in Clovis, New Mexico, and I had coffee with a couple of Baptist women. And one Baptist woman said, Joan, we've got a woman at the church that is so against the pastor. Pastor is building a new church building. And this woman's just so against it. What do you think might be wrong with her? Out of my mouth came, maybe she's a prophet. That was by the Holy Spirit. Maybe she's a prophet because prophets are shown sin in the church. They are shown when that minister is going the wrong direction. There was a time that Jimmy Swigert spoke to about 500 people at his meetings when he went around to speak. He wanted to get big. So we went to Michael Ellison Advertising Agency and told them he was tired of these small groups of people coming to his meetings. Ellison's people told him, then stop preaching so much and do more music because Jimmy Swigert was a country-western type singer. So Swigert did that. Well, his crowds at his meetings increased dramatically. I heard a word which I believed to be from God for Swigert, and that word was, stop entertaining the people and start preaching again. That's a work of a prophet. So we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Do we call them reverend? Where in the Bible did it call Paul reverend? They never called Paul reverend. Where in the Bible did it call Peter reverend? Where did it call Jesus reverend? There is one scripture about reverend, and it says holy and reverend is his name, God's name. Holy and reverend is God's name. That's in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there is no example of any man calling himself reverend. Therefore, we should not be doing it today. It's wrong for a man to call himself reverend. 
that is some type of glorification of himself. Well, do we call him apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher? Well, did they in the Bible? Did the apostle Paul ever refer to himself as an apostle? Let's take some of his epistles and see. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. In nearly every epistle written by Paul, in the opening statement, Paul says, Paul called to be an apostle. In at least one section of scripture, Paul identifies himself as an apostle and a teacher and a preacher. So yes, it is very proper for a minister to say he is an apostle or he is a prophet, or he is an evangelist, or he is a pastor, or he is a teacher. But it is inappropriate to say reverend. He should not allow himself to be called reverend, just as I didn't allow myself to be called reverend. Basically, reverend is God's name. And there is no example in the New Testament Bible of any man calling himself reverend. To add that to the church is an abomination. It makes him as an idol. It exalts the man in the church. I had given this message several years ago on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. A young man in his 40s who lives in the Philippines wrote to me. He said he is one of the ministers of God and he wanted me to come to the Philippines and speak to the ministers there in the Philippines. I told him that I just couldn't travel. He spoke this message to the people at his church that they should not be calling the ministers reverend. And he said the church just got furious with him. They were absolutely up in arms against him. They demanded that he leave that church group, that he vacate the housing provided by the church group. He was married he, and had a wife. He had a wife and a son, and he had lived on church property since he was 18 years old. He basically had no money. 
according to his testimony to me. We sent him a computer so he could get the messages easily, which we write on our blog. So the church group told him to leave immediately. He told me that ministers over there just love to be called reverend. This is a very high mark of status. I told this young man who had never, apparently had never worked as an adult, except they're in that church group. I told him to go get a job, a secular job, and in his spare time preach Jesus just like Paul did. Paul didn't, wasn't, um, he didn't take a salary from the church. He chose not to do that. Certainly a minister has a right to live off the gospel. But Paul chose to go another way. He earned his living as a tent maker. We read that in the book of Acts. I told this young man, I said, go get a secular job. Support your wife and son. Pay for your own housing. Be free. He didn't do that. He stopped communicating with me. And there was dead silence for about three years. I heard from him one more time by email in approximately uh, 2019, I believe it was. He wrote to me and said, an earthquake came and destroyed all their housing. I think he meant the housing owned by the church that had told him to leave. An earthquake destroyed all their housing and he wanted me to send him money. I did not do that. I felt with all my heart that this young man failed to follow God. Had he gone out and hunted a secular job, it is very likely God would have put him in a city or a place away from the earthquake. I felt he was disobedient to God. In order to be able to remain in that church housing that was provided by that church group. I think that's what happened. They love to call themselves reverend. Just like he said, they love to call themselves reverend. Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of men. I just shudder when I see movies where a man is dressed in a black suit wearing and is wearing a white collar to identify himself as some type of preacher. I hate that. I hate it when I see television where they put 
scarves around their neck, which has embroidery work on it to identify themselves as some kind of preacher. I hate this. To me, it's an abomination. And I know it's to God it's an abomination because in Matthew 23, Jesus speaks of it. And when they wear long costumes, medieval costumes like the Catholic Church, that just is awful. And when they wear all of these big hats, peaked hats, to show themselves to be something of God, thinking to show themselves to be something of God, if you're of God, the Spirit of God is in you, it comes out of your mouth, and people know you are of God by that which you speak and which you do. You don't wear costumes to show that you are a minister of God, but they do in the world today. And in the churches today, I wouldn't go near a church where they did that or where a man called himself reverend. I would get out of that fast. So Jesus made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. There was no more despicable way to die than on a cross. And he even went to the death of a cross, followed God to that. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Matthew 23, Jesus speaks very strong rebuttal, correction, rebuke to the scribes and Pharisees. These are the religious people of Jesus' day when he lived in the flesh on this earth. Matthew 23, verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They make big, impressive garments to separate themselves from the other people, to say, look at me, I'm of God, worship me. That's what they're doing. And they love the uttermost rooms at feast, says Jesus, and the chief seats in the synagogues. And Jesus says, and they love the greetings in the market to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi, Reverend, Reverend. But be ye not called rabbi, 
For one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters. For one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass land and sea to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. That's Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his day. There are no holy garments to be worn in the New Testament church as displayed by the New Testament Bible. There's no such thing as collars which identify you as reverend. There are no hats, no robes, no scarves. Nothing like this to identify a human being as a minister. When you are a minister of God, the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God will give you things to say that cause other people to understand that you are of God and often they understand you are a minister of God by that which you speak and by the action that you take. This is how ministers in the Bible are defined, and this is how ministers today are defined when they go by the Bible. Do not call any man reverend. That's not in the New Testament Bible, or it's not even in the Old Testament Bible, except in connection with God's name. If you call them anything, call them apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. I have often called a man pastor. I don't have any trouble whatsoever with calling a man pastor. I wouldn't have any trouble calling a man apostle as I call the Apostle Paul Apostle. I often refer to Paul as the Apostle Paul. But I would never call any man reverend, and you shouldn't either. And I would never attend a church group where the preacher was called reverend because it shows me they're not following the Bible in that church group. They are exalting human beings in that church group. 
Well, these are the things the Bible teaches about the subject of reverend. I have printed every one of these scriptures that I've spoken today on our blog. Jesus Ministries Exhortations. If you will go to that, look on the right-hand side of the page and you will see podcasts. Click on podcast. Bring up the recording entitled Reverend. No man in the Bible is called Reverend. Every scripture that I've spoken today will be recorded in writing on that page. So you can print it out and look at the scriptures for yourself and make your own decision. But this is what the Bible says about calling yourself reverend or calling a man Reverend, this is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.